Greetings, nerds. This is Cena Nerd. I'm your host, Sarah Belmont, and with me, as always, is our Mr. Producer, Will Paul. How are you doing tonight, Will? Doing very well, Sarah. How are you doing this Monday evening? You know, I thought we were just going to talk about two things tonight, and mm-hmm. then I don't know what happened. To, well, a lot happened today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like Batwoman knew we weren't going to cover it today. Yeah. And... And then it forced us to, in a weird way. <laughs> it did. It did. Uh, yeah, so, well, we were planning on taking just a week off of Batwoman, and then we get the news last night uh, from the episode, as well as news reports about the ending of last night's episode, that uh, Wallace Day from Krypton is going to be joining the cast as Kate Kane. Which which is crazy because I keep thinking about how last April, when it was announced that Ruby wouldn't be coming back, there was immediate recasting rumors, and her name mm-hmm. was like at the top of the list. And yeah. I was, I know you both, you and I were like, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Do it, do it now. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And apparently, I was, re- I think I was reading an interview in Entertainment Weekly today uh, from the showrunner Caroline Dries about. Uh, the re- recast, and she actually noted that uh, she, I think, she has sent in a audition tape for mm. uh, for Kate, and she was really in the early running to to be uh, cast as Kate. Then, of course, they changed directions and decided to go with uh, Javicia and and change up the story. Um, Instead of doing a recast, creating the character of Ryan. Right. I mean, it, it's it's a weird thing because this season we've been, I mean, it hasn't been the best start of a season. Um, it's been kind of middle ground because there's this inevitable presence of Kate Kane mm-hmm. and who she is. And we noticed a lot of the things that were working last season because of relationships and dynamics where Kate were not working this year. At the same time, Ryan has, has taken up the mantle and, and b- telling her own story and really is the lead. So mm-hmm. it's like, okay, so at what point, <laughs> <laughs> What is going to happen? And and I, I kid you not, Will, but I remember, I think it was last week where you were just like, okay, so when is enough with the Kate Kane stuff? Um, like, we know she's not being <laughs> recast. <laughs> but at the same time, I was watching the episode today, and I liked the beginning. Mm-hmm. It got a rough, it had a rough middle, but I liked the ending as well. Yeah. And... And I think that this might be the solution in a weird way. I think that they are going to, by integrating her back in, they're not going to take anything away from Ryan, but they're just going to add to this feeling that Ryan currently has of being, it's like going to add a layer of that imposter motif that Ryan already has. Um. And allow her by the end of the season to kind of, I don't, I don't want to say defeat Kate, but overtake Kate and say, no, this is, this is really me. You're something else now. You're yeah. so You have to go to an island and figure it out for five years. Yeah. <laughs> go to an island. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. You know, when I saw it, I, 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 I had mixed feelings about it because on the one hand, yes, we did talk about the fact that they need to do something with this story as far as Kate and dragging it on and on. And, and you know, I, I, I DM'd you last night. I was like, you know, shame on me for not remembering this whenever we were talking about it before. But I had seen on Instagram, uh, someone had screenshotted, um, I think, Nicole King's Instagram page or what Wallace had followed. Well, I screenshot, I think, several members of the cast uh, mm-hmm. of where she had followed them on Instagram. So, and I and I was like, huh. But I was like, nah. You know, somebody even speculated that was the case. And I was like, mm, maybe not. And I forgot to mention it to you. Uh, but then once I saw the news last night, I first, I actually didn't see it from watching the episode. It was, I saw the 
uh, news alert uh, hit, uh, I think, deadline or something. And I was like, well, that'll be damned. <laughs> and, mm. and, and I was, I had mixed feelings. What I mean, I was excited because, you know, as you, as everyone knows who listens to this show, we love Krypton and really love what she did with the character of Nissa Vex. And, and so I was excited about that. But at the same time, I, we both, I think, have really grown to really enjoy Javicia and, and, and Ryan and the story that they have built up with Ryan this season. So on the one hand, I was like, yay. On the other hand, I was like, just when... I was hoping they'll just move on with this story. I feel like part of me was like already undercutting Javicia a bit, taking it out of story for a little bit, but just into actual dynamics of the cast or whatever, already undermining her some by doing this. And I mean, did she know whenever she signed on to this series, this was going to be the arc that was going to happen. And 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 I, and I think about that, uh, you know, with another show that we're going to talk about tonight with Falcon and Winter Soldier, uh, how Sam Wilson was treated as an African American, and then you have and how the government played them, and then you get this like, you know, the the that the racial dynamics, and of course the gender dynamics and the sexual orientation dynamics. I mean, there's just so many le- levels to this that I'm wondering, like, they better they 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 better do a good job of introducing Kate back into the story and also not undermining Ryan as for, and Javicia as well, uh, because they've really stepped into a very, um, if they're not careful how they handle this, they could really have set themselves up to be in a really bad place with alienating a lot of fans on both sides of the fence. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think it, this is a very risky call. And it makes it, it does in a in an odd way make me more excited to watch Batwoman. Yeah. Because I was totally off the Batwoman train last week. I was really mad at that episode. Mm-hmm, me too. And then when I found out this news, my curiosity is back in store. I had a lot of curiosity coming into this season because of all of the changes. And and as it went on, I was like, okay, I see what they're doing. Stuff isn't working. Some stuff is, some stuff isn't. So how, where are we headed? And I'm really, Sophia needs to just go away. Yeah. Um, and, and so now I'm kind of just like, okay, well, this is a risk. I'm really curious as if it's going to pay off. Yeah, I am too. I mean, like I said, they, I... As we said, how we ended things last week when we talked about last week's episode, given how we both, and even our guest was, Jeff was kind of, we were all kind of, huh, but, you know, one of the things you did say, and I, I agree with your sentiment that we, overall, we trust the writers on this show more so than others. And so I'm going to trust them that they're going to get this right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because they, because of the sh- of the CW shows, other than Superman and Lois, right now, which is too early in this run to really, you know, it's too short, a, too small of a sample size. So I'm I'm gonna co- put them to the that show to the side right now. But of the established shows, at least the ones I watch, because I don't really watch Legends, but the Batwoman writers' room has overall handled have 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 given me. Maybe they've been breaking the mold somewhat as far as getting over the wash, rinse, repeat kind of cycles that we've seen on the flash. And, mm-hmm. and so I have more confidence in them at this point than I do say, if you're doing this on the flash, the way the writer's room has been going lately. So, yeah, yeah, no, no, I agree. I agree with that. Um, Speaking about trusting writers, promising young woman director Emerald Fennell is tapped to write a Zantana film, which which is kind of interesting because Zantana's a character who's been like, I don't know how many times people say, oh, that bad person is going to be Zantana on The Flash. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but But is Zantana a bad guy or a good one? Good one. A good one. Okay. Okay. All right. Because for a moment I was going to be like, wait a second. Is 
is DC about to step into Sony territory where it's like they're starting to just make movies about villains? <laughs> because <laughs> that works out so well. Um, also on the DC movie front, Michael Keaton may not return to play Batman in the Flash movie. Yeah, so it was in inter- was article. He was being interviewed for uh, an article uh, in Deadline, and he was. It was about. I guess he's in the uh, trial of the Chicago Seven, and they were noting that in this article, they it was one of many things they were talking about as far as, far as he could be like one of the third actors or whatever to hit this. Uh, SAG Awards slate as far as ensemble pieces and within the article they cover a lot of things about his career and stuff and they talk about the Flash movie and he talks about it and he's like yeah I've seen this stuff on social media and yeah um, you know I am look he he was like I'm looking into it but uh, one of the things that he that really stuck out to me in this interview was he was like if I'm gonna have to up and go to London to film this thing, uh, you know, got to keep an eye on COVID because, you know, he is, you know, he is older. And, and so that was part and of his um, reticence and saying, um, yeah, he's like, look, I'm not being coy. I'm not being funny or trying to pull it stringy along. I just haven't, I haven't signed on to this film yet. So, you know, it, he's open to playing and returning as, his version of Batman, but it's, but it's not a done deal at this point. So freaking weird. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, when I, when the news first broke about him being on board and signed up for this, and then all of the rumors starting very much like Spider-Man, where it's like every Spider-Man who's ever played Spider-Man is going to be in this movie. Mm-hmm. I didn't believe it, but then everybody was so adamant, like, no, this is happening. And and now we have the Snyder Cut, and after watching the Snyder Cut, it's just like, okay, well, we see what's happening. So to get this news, especially right after Snyder Cut weekend. Yeah. DC does this crap on purpose <laughs> I, I don't i don't know why they do it but you can't make this stuff up <laughs> yeah yeah i think it's just bad i mean I, I don't know if it was anything other than this really bad timing for this deadline article to drop <laughs> but i mean yeah because he also talks about his, his uh playing the vulture and in, in the mcu and how he you know how he how he enjoys uh, these types of roles and stuff, uh, even if he's not like steeped in the lore. But, right. uh, but uh, yeah, but you know, it was it was it was very. We should. I, I did post it on our socials. It's a very interesting uh, interview. If you if you like to read some some more long form stuff, uh, and it really gets into a lot of a lot of things about his career and wearing the bat suit and and you know the right circumstances to come back and 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 portray his version of Batman eighty nine in, in the Flash movie. Yeah, I'll, I'll believe it when I see a trailer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, I don't believe any of these casting rumors. Yeah, anymore. <laughs> even if it shows up in the trade, because I think it, I think this one did actually. The, the Michael Keaton thing did show up in some of the trades too, so it wasn't yeah. like just you know no. rando bloggers saying, "Oh yeah, I heard I have a source that yeah. tells me this is happening." <laughs> yeah. yeah, the next thing they they're gonna say is Mephisto is gonna play Batman in. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I believe that. (laughs) Um, One more bit of news. Hawkeye spinoff. A Hawkeye spinoff has been announced um, called Echo and is in development at Disney Plus because Disney Plus is the cash cow that keeps giving right now. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, this is uh, pretty, pretty. When I saw this today, I I wanted to add it to the rundown because uh, I saw it in Variety and... um, yeah, it is in early stages, but uh, Echo is the one of the characters who uh, is going to be in the upcoming series. Is the character's Maya Lopez uh, is her character name. It's played by a new actress called uh, uh, Aguaqua Cox, and um, yeah, and so 
given that we haven't even seen <laughs> the first frame of this new show, uh, I, I guess Disney Plus is feeling pretty pretty bullish uh, about how these MCU shows are are, are are going to continue to perform on the platform. And just looking at the Falcon and Winter Soldier uh, debut this weekend for that platform, uh, being the highest streaming premiere for Disney Plus, uh, that includes Mando 2 and um, even WandaVision. Uh, I guess they're feeling pretty good. So it'll it'll hold. Yeah, I guess Falcon and Winter Soldier premiere will hold it the, the record until Loki comes out this summer. <laughs> Potentially, yeah. I mean, the thing about WandaVision is it was such a high concept. Mm-hmm. I had a feeling that it wouldn't be a like a straightaway hit because a this is the first dose of MCU. Yeah. Those characters we know them, yeah. but they've they're not even as well known as. Bucky and True. and Falcon. I mean, yeah, uh, it's it's just different, and and so and especially that very first episode. I know a lot of people are just like, I don't understand, but then it progressed. Right. Meanwhile, Falcon and Winter Soldier. It it is the concept very similar to any traditional comic book movie we've seen. Um. Now it has a lot to say, and we'll we'll get in that um, get into that in a moment. But it's still like commercially, it appeals to a lot more yeah. masses than I would say Wandavision did. You yeah. were even on the fence about Wandavision. I was telling you, no, Will, it's gonna be great. It's <laughs> <laughs> gonna be great on my gravestone. <laughs> yeah, I like... it was even announced. You were skeptical. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was. I, I really was. But, you know, thinking about it now, and especially now that we had the premiere of Falcon and Winter, Winter, Winter Soldier, and thinking about how originally Falcon and Winter Soldier was supposed to kick the things off after Black Widow uh, mm-hmm. movie last year. Uh, I, I, I'm glad. Actually, I think, it, and of course, now we can say this with the benefit of seeing how things have actually unfolded, but I think it actually... In a weird way, COVID actually worked to both to both of these series benefit. Oh yeah, ab- absolutely. I I mean, I I think that that's what's really happening right now. And we've talked a little bit about this last week with the CW verse lineup. Mm-hmm. Is you're seeing multiple writers' rooms pivot in the face of this. Um, this pandemic yeah, and, and across the board, you see it in all medians where some are even incorporating COVID storylines and that's mm-hmm. how they get away with their actors wearing masks all the time. And then in some instances, it's just like, well, it delayed shooting, which means that we have a lot of time to spend rendering. Yep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Snyder could have used a little bit more time in my opinion, but we'll get into that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but let's let's kick things off with Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah. We got the first episode, New World Order. Um very Sam Wilson, Sam Wilson heavy. I'm not mm-hmm. mad at it. Mr. Anthony Mackey looking very, very fine, very appreciative of him. And um he's doing some some action. He they they've it, i the Russos did not direct this episode, right? No. no. Because the action sequence, the opening action sequence with Sam, I'm just like, okay, this is pretty much Winter Soldier, but Falcon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it the it's a very similar setup of you think that this guy, he's kind of like very limited in what he can do. And they just pulled out all the tricks for him in that um, sequence. Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah, I, I love that sequence. I, you know, it, um, obviously it is what fans come to expect, but it, it, to me, it was like a reintroduction to Falcon and, mm-hmm. and in a, in a way that really, cause one, you know, obviously, when we had these characters like Falcon and Bucky and others show up in the in the feature films, they are supporting characters, and 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 treated as such. 
But right out the gate, we see Falcon and all his, you know, and all his tactical and warfighting skills on display in, in that opening sequence. And it was just sort of like, okay, you know, here, here's, here's how, you know, it was one of those things where you're, you're going to be thinking, oh man, this is, this, this whole episode is going to be adrenaline pumping and all that kind of stuff. But actually, after we got that initial action sequence, we really got a lot of character moments and character development the, the rest right. of the, the rest of the episode. So, you know, it was sort of like, okay, we're going to give the fans what they want right out the gate. And then the back rest of the story, we're going to really get into post blip world for Bucky and Sam. Right. Right. Which now that I'm thinking about it, it's not only post blip world. I mean, that's the connective tissue for the MCU at this point. Mm -hmm. However, it's interesting that when we first meet Sam in Winter Soldier, he he's a vet. He mm -hmm. is no longer active military and out of service. But seeing this opening sequence, your initial thought is, oh, you're still part of the fight. Like, you're still yeah. military. Mm -hmm. And he mentions he, got, he has governor, government contracts now. Yep. And so that's how he's able to still. So he's. He, it's almost as if this whole saga with um, Captain America has reinvigorated him on on continuing that fight and not having come home yet. Mm -hmm. right. And you see that play out a bit with his sister where he tries to come back and she's just like, dude, you left. Yeah, You're, you're still gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, you disappeared. Well, wait, no. So was did Sam disappear? He did. He did. He did. He did. Yep. That's right. Yep. yep. He was. Yeah. Yeah. Sam. yeah. Sam and Bucky both disappeared. Yeah. But then on the flip side, you also have you have Bucky, who mm -hmm. who is is basically Steve Rogers, except the reverse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because he he's a soldier too who's faced combat, was in a world war and all of that. And yet he's also been on the other side as the villain, as the enemy with Hydra. Mm -hmm. And, and so now we're seeing him with his lovely psychiatrist work through those <laughs> issues of, yeah. of, of writing those wrongs. Mm -hmm. And I, I love the list parallel. Yeah. Like, I love. Yeah. So you're really telling me the Russos had nothing to do with this first? <laughs> I'm telling you, I mean, Marvin Spellman, I think, is the is the showrunner, and yeah, it, that the he may have taken the he he's taken the construct that the Russos have built with the last few films, but he's taken it and moving it forward because you know we you know because obviously with with the TV series now you you have the opportunity to really get into the layers of these characters. And, and so, you know, to, to your point, like with, for example, Bucky mm -hmm. and the list and tying, tying his list of, of amends now to his list of assignments that he had when he was winter soldier. And, and, and I, I love the checklist that, yeah, you're right with the psychiatrist. Like, you know, what do you do whenever you get into these, these 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 scenarios, and I think it was like a, like a three or four point uh, thing he had to check off on whenever yeah. he was doing uh, his his now good work as part of his pardon. Don't and, break the don't break any law. Don't hurt anybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um. Well, it's not only um the list is not only a motif for that, but it also Steve Rogers had a list. At the mm -hmm. beginning of Winter Soldier. He did. A different list of pop culture. That's right. That's right. Because, yeah. and you, you, yeah. yeah. That's right. I had forgotten about that. Thanks for reminding me. Because, yeah. Because, yeah. Because now Bucky is. We're seeing hip 106-year-old Bucky. Ha yeah. Sort of going through that journey that Steve had to go through. Uh, when Steve. To your point about Steve's list. That he had. Right. Yeah. Well, it's a, I think it's I think it plays also onto 
the idea of soldiers returning home. And sometimes it's an adjustment just to um, get back to normal mm-hmm. and and live a life without being a soldier. And, and that was very much Steve Rogers. Mm-hmm. And then with Bucky, it's more about he, he his life will never be normal. He's he has way too much PTSD and Hydra fucked with his head. Mm-hmm. But now he has this list and it's not about getting it's about finding peace. Yeah. And um, and and that that was another clever thing that I didn't see coming was um, him and the older man who turns out to be the father of one of his victims as Winter Soldier. Yeah, that got, that that one that one got me. Uh, I was I got, I got I was what my daughter and I watched the episode together, and we were both we just kind of looked at each other. And we were like, "Whoa!" Yeah. <laughs> whenever, when whenever that happened, because you know it it, were, it was important. This was, it was an important sequence for them to put that in there to remind us, and also and also to bring up folks who who may or not as steeped in MCU lore. Mm-hmm. About who who Bucky and and what the Winter Soldier actually was, right? Uh, because um, and so because when that sequence first happened, it kind of threw me for a loop. I'm like, wait a minute, did he have a did he have a relapse? Because uh, we got the long hair and, and oh, all yeah. that, yeah. And it, it did throw me. I mean, I, I have to admit, I I was like, oh oh boy, this is this is not how I thought this show was going to go. <laughs> That is what we call good editing. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. Hold, well yeah. It's it's almost. I mean, I under going in. I um I understood what Sam Wilson's arc was going to be. Mm-hmm. The more I think about this episode, the more I understand, or I'm starting to think what they're going to do with Bucky, and with Bucky. I think it's going to be more about how do you take that name Winter Soldier and transform it from a bad guy into a good guy. Mm -hmm. Yes, he fought alongside the Avengers. We've seen the movies. We understand that. He got like five minutes of screen time total. Yeah. So, but he himself still doesn't view it as being a hero. Like, he, when he when he he's fully in winter soldier mode in those nightmare sequences mm-hmm. so he is how do you how do you get to the other side of that I do want to call out one thing though that they should explain why did he get kicked out of Wakanda <laughs> <laughs> that's a good <laughs> they never expl- they mention <laughs> it he even says I had so much peace I'm like then what did you do to get kicked out, kicked out. maybe <laughs> Uh, that's something that they may explore, in uh, as we as we go further into the series, and, and maybe it is because maybe it was a, as part of the pardon um, and, and making amends. Maybe that was that was why he got kicked out, um, or maybe not kicked out, but in order to in order to in order to to get pardoned for uh, all the heinous acts that he committed over over the years. Uh, maybe they, the Wakandans had done everything they could do for him, and now he had to go to the next step and and, and do what we saw um, in, in this episode. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the Flag Smashers? And um, I forget his name, but Sam's buddy, who was, like, tracking them down and got beat up during the big riot? Yeah, it was, uh, I think, Joaquin. I think is his friend's... Um, and apparent, uh, you know, I'm not uh, as far as the flag smashers. I think it, it was something that you know we picked up on this theme and uh, in Wandavision, and now uh, we're seeing it here. Where after, as we're as we're getting further removed from people returning from the blip, um, how how the world is looking. And to have it, you know, the old order is like gone now because so many people, you know, you had billions of people who were, who were gone and now they're coming back. Think, you know, and, and yet, and so the people who were left after the snap pretty much had to learn to, to move on with their lives and, and adjust to 
to to this new world. Now you have everybody coming back into it, and you know, feeling people feeling very strongly about how things how the things should be, and you know, we we got some you know we got whenever um, the sword lead who took over for Monica. In WandaVision, we got some of that. And now, you know, here we are six months later after it, and we're seeing it even more. So, you know, I I, I really I really liked that um, move because yeah. because it, it, and also it, it, thinking back, I was watching, you know, going back to Winter Soldier and Civil War and, and the Sokovia, Sokovian Accords, how, you know, the whole reason why Ultron was built was Tony was trying to build a shield, you know, a, a system to basically protect the world. Yep. And 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 so now fast forward, and, and you see how folks are trying to now put the world back together after all of these events. I, I, it's, it's, I, I love that dichotomy of of show uh, and and of of the two and 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 how governments now are treating these these. The, the flag smashers as, as an existential threat threat to 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 the to the world's order at this point. Right, I, I think it's an interesting concept that I didn't expect. That that makes a lot of sense. I mean, there was five years where mm-hmm. the world went on, and even though half of the population disappeared, mm-hmm. um, and and Thanos Thanos had had a philosophy totally he did the math he understood the math and he's like you know it'll make the everything will go be a lot better for our civilizations if we do this mm-hmm. <laughs> and and so in a way it makes sense that people coming out of it are are experiencing wait a second I was here for those five years and my life improved. Mm-hmm. It's just like in um, Infinity or no, in Endgame, when we see the aftermath and what it does to the Avengers having having lost people in the blip. Mm-hmm. And um, and so, so you forget, though, but even though they lost, there are some people who probably have won. I mean, Tony didn't want to sacrifice what yeah. he gave. From it. That's right. So, so I mean, I I was just like when I when I saw that line, I was like, that is freaking clever. Really like that smart idea. Mm-hmm. And and I like how even though the blip is it, it, it's some could say, oh, it's repetitive. I mean, are all of these shows are we always going to have a blip storyline? But what they're doing is they're really being cautious about the different angles to explore the blip aftermath through certain sets of characters. I mean, we just spent, what, nine weeks with WandaVision? Yep. And that was through the lens of grief and loss. Mm-hmm. And and then this one, it's very political. Mm-hmm. It's about government. I mean, I don't know why they call them flag smashers. I personally would call them Thanos sympathists. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like Thanos. that. You should trade. You should trademark that. <laughs> but I, I, I like that idea. I'm almost pretty sure that the guy who is now quote unquote Captain America, but not really, was the same guy who beat up Sam's friend Joaquin. Yeah. Um, that that's my hunch, but it could be just another person who's hopped up on something. But I don't know. The more I, I, I'm not gonna lie to you, Will. Initially, I was like, uh, about this episode. But the more I think about it, the more I talk with you about it, the more I actually really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of us should go and do our homework and rewatch Winter Soldier. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> I agree. I mean, I, yeah, I, I really, you're right. I mean, the more, I mean, this, this show has so, like I said, that when we first started talking about it, you know, it comes out of the gate like what you expect for the MCU, but then whenever they really, whenever we have stopped and really pause and talk about what's actually going on, I mean, it's a very layered and nuanced view of 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 the of, of the world after after Endgame, and and you're right. I mean, it is. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, they're going to use this as off-ramp, the blip being off-jump into different stories. So, yeah, we had grief. This one, I think, you're, you know, it is, it's, finding your, it's finding yourself in this new world, for example, Sam. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it picks up on his 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 line when he talked to Steve at the end of Endgame that, you know, it doesn't this doesn't feel, you know, this the this, this shield doesn't feels like it belongs to someone else. And so, we're, you know, so we're going to have that journey with Sam, which we all saw that one coming, uh, even though, you know, again, to your point, editing and clever advertising. You know, we were thinking Sam was going to be coming out here <laughs> with the shield and doing all this fun stuff at the beginning and come to find out he's donated the thing to the Smithsonian because, right. you know, is that's not, you know, that, I'm not cap. So, so, you know, so I, I and seeing him and, and Rhodey, especially, you know, given how, what, what all had transpired in their relationship with civil yeah. war. Mm-hmm. And when Rhodey showed up, I, that was another moment where I was just like, Oh, Oh, damn. Uh, Rhodey's here, and 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 into your point earlier about the military and preserving things because it's you know Rhodey is there to basically preserve the the, the current order and, of things where these flag smashers are, are 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 there to destroy you know to, to to break down all these nationalistic tendencies and barriers that are that the old guard is still trying to hold on to. And and then, just, but but also just seeing Sam and and Rhodey there together, and just you know, to having two prominent African American characters uh, as as the lead in in this show uh, was also very striking to me as well. Uh, I mean, it just it wasn't it, it definitely wasn't lost on me when I when I saw them together. Um, it, 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 and having that moment, and 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 them trying maybe to and. and as far as the two characters trying to you know rebuild their relationship, uh, given that you know Sam is is a contractor who is uh, doing all these missions for for the U.S. government. Yeah, well, I mean, both of them are so similar. Like they both experience very similar things between Endgame and Infinity War, where mm-hmm. they they lost their quote unquote hero, their best friend, the person who they looked up to, who. Mm-hmm. Who were they were sidekicks to, and yeah. now they're trying to figure out their new world order as as not the sidekick but as the hero. Yeah. And they're both military men. That's another thing that stuck out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like that theme of like, yeah, Rhodey. Rhodey is cool to add on, but I think because he comes from that military background. It makes all the sense of the world because we've just talked about how the main characters in the show, there is that military background. And so similar ideas about PTSD and mm-hmm. and being a soldier and returning home and what that means. So it's just, this is why MCU is just so good because... Yep. I, even when I think I'm not really into something, the more I talk about it, the more I'm like, damn, this should be commercial popcorn watching entertainment. And yet it is freaking layered. It is. Layered as shit. And we're just getting started. So. Yeah. I totally, yeah. Totally agree with you. Totally agree. But that's the, but that's the thing. I mean, it's so, yeah. I got into a dialogue with some folks on Twitter over the weekend, you know, about uh, a show and, and really, and, and thinking about that and thinking about how we were discussing this, you, you can have both, you know, be entertained because I was very entertained. Whenever this episode ended, I was like, what? I want more. <laughs> and so, right. and, but also have good, just solid storytelling where it's just such, you know, and we hadn't even, you know, we haven't even gotten to the financial issue, you know, the issues with Sam going to the bank and, you know, and, and all the, you know, the discrimination that he, you know, one, you know, he was like walking in there. I'm like, Hey, I'm an adventure. And, and then, you know, he has a situation that happens with him there as well as just, uh, you know, it, I thought about our conversation. We talked about on Superman and Lois about you know the, the it, 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 money, and right. you know, and you know how do he, how does the Avengers get paid, and how the superheroes manage to do all these things, and 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 Sam, you know, used to being 
you know, saving the, literally saving the universe. And then now he, you know, he can't even help his sister out with, you know, saving their family boat. So, right. Uh, you know, it's, it's just so, such layers and such new, you know, such text textures with, with these stories. And I'm just, you know, the next five weeks, uh, especially how the episode ended with the you know, introduction of us agent, uh, and, and, and from what I've read about how they're going to you know, differentiate how uh, the character is in the comic versus how they're going to use utilize the character in the MCU, I'm just really looking forward to this. And you know, it was going to be probably at the end of the six week episode to be like, man, come on, it was a second season. <laughs> um, we do have another thing to get to, yeah. um, and we're running a bit low on time. But um, I will I will say this as a point of transition. The MCU, we never need a four-hour cut of something. <laughs> well, to understand what's happening. Just just um, a three, just a three-hour. Three hours, maybe. Give or take. One part two, combine them both. Probably a six-hour movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Justice League Snyder cut. I watched it, Will. He was so freaking proud. And I I'm proud of you. I am so proud of you. You actually finished it before I did. <laughs> I did. I did. I did cheat. I, like, I, I, it was hard. The first hour yeah. was painful for me. And mm. I, I don't know how much I can say I fully watched it the first hour. Because there were a lot of times I was just doing other things. I would be, like, having on the background, not really being able to hear much. And and I and I leave the TV room and I go and do something in the kitchen and come back out. Amazonian still fighting. Yep. <laughs> come back, Amazonian still fighting. Still fighting. Yep. <laughs> um, but I'm glad I stuck with it because the third act, and I'm going to say the third act. So the last few chapters and the epilogue that would never end. Um, I actually think worked. Mm-hmm. And we're probably the best part. Mm-hmm. Now, I do. I can't. I can't claim to have seen the original version of Justice League. I've seen bits and pieces, and I've seen enough to be able to say in a lot of confidence that third act is very, very, very different. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it, it is. <laughs> There's a lot that is missing. Yeah, and, and nobody ever wants to see again. And it's like, okay. Um, but yeah, I, I, I was actually, I actually got up and stopped what I was doing and came and paid attention for a good half hour. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's about an hour, but anyway, <laughs> yeah, actually, so I, I have to say, I actually enjoyed this film. I, I went into it, um, low expectations. Uh, because you know it was one of those things where it, it had been such hyped and talked about and and, and everything, but uh, you know and I vaguely I ba- barely remember the theatrical cut. I mean, it was I only watched the theatrical cut one time, um, and you know I was like, okay, I'm done with it. So, <laughs> uh, but the uh, and there's plenty of you know, articles out there that can get, I mean, there's some that gets into like the 45 different changes between the theatrical cut and uh, the Snyder cut. And there's also, I thought the Washington Post did a good seven key things that were different between each. And, and I, I agree with those seven key things. And, and most of them were in that uh, final, final act, uh, the final two chapters. Um what I liked about it the most was it, from what I do remember of the theatrical cut and the, the um, Snyder cut, obviously, you know, it, I mean, yeah, obviously Cyborg's story um, and, and, and the Flash story. Mm-hmm. And, and also um, Having watched this after Wonder Woman eighty four and seeing how Diana, yeah, because if you think it as far as as far as continuity, uh, you know, clearly the Snyder cut was obviously present day versus we get the present day Diana, 
and seeing her come full circle as far as being comfortable with herself in the world as as Wonder Woman versus you know what we saw of the character in Wonder Woman eighty four, um, it it really I I really appreciated what Zach did with these characters and and really treating them you know the difference between MCU the Marvel characters and DC characters is you know Marvel characters you know, their flaws are all on display DC characters are treated are treated like gods because you know quite frankly they they are they're almost godlike when you think of a character like superman so right. so you really got that through line i think in, in Snyder's vision as far as how he treated these characters versus how Josh Whedon treated these characters yeah i he also treated the villain a little bit better. Yeah. Even though there are a lot of points when they would do a close-up of Steppenwolf, and I'm just like, why is your face so tiny? Like, <laughs> yeah. in juxtaposition the rest of your body, why is your, like, little face just peeking out? And you have these, like, I'm sorry, I it really is jarring to me sometimes. Yeah. Um, but but I did like this idea that he, he did something mm-hmm. that, and it's, this is, like, a redemption mission for him. Yeah, um, with Dark Side, and so I think that motivation, like that's 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 all you need. You, we just need something to understand why things are happening, mm-hmm. and and the villain is often behind it. So so it's not about like oh I didn't realize that they were the bad guy. No, it's about understanding that motivation so that you're not constantly wondering, well why why is Lex doing this? Like what is does he know? Like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> um. So, so I think that also worked a lot. Um. But yeah, your point about these characters for DC, godlike, very much emphasized mm-hmm. to the point where Bat Batman was the smallest character on the screen in a way. Yeah. And I said that just because it's contributions a little bit. He's gadget guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I can't take I can't take that credit for that. One. It was Leslie Leslie Jones and her live tweets of of, of uh, the Snyder cut. <laughs> um, th- I'm kind of mad at this movie because as much as I hated a, a good most of it, um, just because I can't stand the CGI that they used mm-hmm. so bad for me, mm-hmm. um. But I'm mainly upset at this movie because, and this is why I kind of was never on board with Snyder Cut. I don't like the idea that you're going to have all of these sequences in the 45-hour epilogue. <laughs> That's, I mean, there's yeah. a scene between Joker and Batman that at first I was like, oh my God, did I completely miss the scene? Because where is it? And then it appeared, and I'm like, oh, it's part of the 45-hour epilogue. Got it. Yep. And and it's just a conversation, and that that conversation should have been the entire epilogue. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> okay. I'm like, I want more of that clear setup for another movie, mm-hmm. and and it's just it pisses me off because I don't yeah. think we're gonna get it. Yeah, that I, I agree with you there. I, I felt like. Yeah, I mean, I felt like the epilogue really was like a, it was almost like a mini feature film in and of itself, because, because it, because we, we, you know, we, especially the first part of the epilogue, I thought, really tied in well with what we had just watched for the last three and a half hours. Right, the cyborg, (laughs) cyborg. The father, because yep. you know, because that was the difference between that was one of the notable noticeable differences between the theatrical and its daughter. Theatrical cut, uh, Silas Stone lives. This one, he he, he sacrifices himself to, right. to and okay. and so, so that was one of the things. And I thought that was that over. I mean, Joe Morton's just you know dial speech about everything and and the images. I thought that was just a. It should have stopped it there. But then you tacked on that Joker thing, and I'm just like, "Damn, they're going. We can't, and we know we're not going to get more from this." That right. that yeah, that that was where I, I was oh, mad about the film. Uh, yeah. But 
Yeah. Well, uh, that and then Martian, um, Martian Manhunter. Yeah. They act on that, and you're yeah. just like, we, huh? We, I, we wanted the Snyder cut, <laughs> but <laughs> this is just mean. This is, <laughs> this mean. is spiteful. <laughs> yeah, because I thought because I, I had I heard Martian Manhunter was going to be in it, and of course we, you know, within the film itself, we 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 he 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 goes. John Jones like goes and um, pretends to be Martha and, and helps Lois, you know, move forward with with things. And then, <laughs> and of course, we get this epilogue piece. And again, it's just like, really, you're doing this, really? <laughs> yeah, it's I. The other thing about. The, the reason why the Joker scene, as brilliant of a scene of, as it is, they, they, he did a very similar thing in Batman v Superman. Mm-hmm. Where in the freaking trailer, they show Robin's costume yep. torn up and everything. Yep. Since then, we have all been speculating about... I think it's called the death in the family. Yeah. Is that the arc? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. And then they added that dialogue into this conversation between Batman, the Batman and Joker. And I'm just like, stop fucking yeah. teasing. Yep. <laughs> Give us the full four hour, five hour cut of that storyline because we want it. We want. Yes. <laughs> Yes, it's like, and that's that's the criminal. That's the sad, that's the criminal thing about this whole. I mean, God bless the Snyder Cut fans for you know you you got what you wanted, but then you got what you wanted, but then you like you, you didn't you, get what you wanted. You got you got a part <laughs> of what you wanted, but then about things that you would love to see one day. Yeah, but then now you know you used up all your capital on releasing the Snyder Cut, but you didn't save a little bit in the bank for restoring the Snyder Cut. <laughs> <laughs> or the Snyder verbs, excuse me. Yeah, yeah. Because is, spe- is the Batman gonna redeem it and come out with the death in the family arc in the last like trilogy part of their trilogy? Because somebody's got to tell that freaking story. Somebody's I want to see it. <laughs> yes, I want to see it too. And now, like I said, they spent all their capital on releasing the Snyder Cut, but didn't save any for restoring the Snyderverse. And now, I mean, and granted, yeah, obviously we uh, we we both can't wait for for Matt Reeves' version to to come out and 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 we'll see some of these you know some of the you know I guess the Snyderverse will live on in these standalone films. But uh, I think Batman, you know, clearly is going to go in a different direction. Uh, yeah. We'll, so. we'll see what happens. I mean... Maybe we'll get it some in the Flash. Maybe. I, uh, well, we know we're not getting Keaton in the Flash. Yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> I just... The lesson that I want DC to figure out is there's a difference between an Easter egg for the sake of an Easter egg and an MCU Easter egg. The MCU, we 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 break spend hours analyzing every single frame in WandaVision for better or for worse because we know when they put something in there, they're gonna deliver on it nine times out of ten. Yeah. Right? Right, right. But now that I'm thinking about the Snyder Cut and Batman v Superman, I'm just like, but wait a second. You you clearly understand these characters, you clearly understand these arcs. But why are we having so much of it just delivered via dialogue? Yeah. <laughs> why why show us Bruce Wayne losing his parents at the beginning of Batman v Superman and maybe not losing his adopted son, whatever you want to call him? Mm-hmm. Like I just I just there there's a lot more telling instead of showing. And yeah. I think that's that's what I continue to have trouble with with both Zack Snyder's um, vision of this universe and just the DC universe as a whole. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that, that, that's, that's a fair point. I mean, I, but I, I do think there was at least the exposition in this Snyder cut was actually followed up with actual action, uh, as far as making you know tie in that. 
it was it was relevant to the story and it wasn't just like a lot of talk and we didn't get any you know to, to, to i mean i guess instead of getting all the talk that we had in the Whedon cut of Justice League and the Snyder cut, all that exposition that was in was now spread out in the in the first six chapters. Uh, oh yeah, because yeah. Snyder loves his action sequences that I I could care less about. I'm I'm not. I'm talking more about when when you, in your dialogue you reference things to characters, yeah. telling the character you should like you should understand this because this this happened historically with this character and you're just like okay so i'm being told to empath have um have empathy for a character as opposed to being shown mm-hmm. and so that i can experience that loss and that pain with the character and yeah. have more relate more to it yeah true but yeah i get your point there and i and i, and I think that's like for example with the the flash's storyline in this uh in the Snyder Cut, actually has gotten me excited for for that film because the way uh, it, it, that he was fleshed out and how they introduced him properly this time, uh, really, I, I, I'm, 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 and 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 also how he was very pivotal it, it, again to the whole saving in the universe. I mean, like, you know, as we saw in the climax of this film, I mean, he had to run, you know, he was running around the Russian town to, you know, create the arc that would power cyborg to, um, open the mother box mm-hmm. and to separate the mother boxes. And, and so again, it reinforces the, the notion that the reason why the justice league in the DC comics world, is is so, important is you know these are pivotal characters who who really do have a a role in, in shaping the larger multiverse and and in the flash's case obviously you know the way they built the the snyder cut really i think does a good job of ext- of establishing the story moving forward that we'll see in, in the movie as far as his version the, the movie version of flashpoint so, and because we saw that power of him like reversing time, you know, so in order to, in order to save things. So, you know, I those, agree. those, yeah. Um, this movie made me like Barry Allen a lot less. Huh. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sold. And, um, and he, I don't say this often. So take note, everyone. Um, part of the reason why is because I kept comparing it to the flash TV show and, um, the flash did it better on the yeah. CW. Yeah. I, I, especially his relationship with his dad. Um, oh yeah, definitely. I agree with that. that relationship during the Snyder cut. And so yeah. I really kind of, I need to buy into that relationship and yeah. I understand it. You can't also have John Wesley ship play, (laughs) (laughs) but you really should (laughs) have. They should have, yeah. No no disrespect to Billy Crowder, but you're right. Now, I I will admit that when I was seeing those scenes with with Ezra and and Billy – yeah, I, I yeah I could I was like Grant yeah Grant and John they do they do do it better. I mean, there's just no no if ands or buts about that. I, I I will agree with you there. Yeah, I just, I couldn't get over that one scene where he says that, hey, I got a job. My kid got a job. I'm like, oh my, take it down a notch. <laughs> what the fuck yeah. is going on here? Yeah. Um, well, actually, Billy really Crudup is out of. about the direction Snyder gave them. Yeah, that. yeah. Well, you know what? Come to think, the, the door has been open for John now because Crudup has a scheduling conflict, so he can't be in the Flash film. So, um God. Yeah, so maybe maybe we can get maybe we can get Henry uh get get John to do Henry in this one too. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, Henry and then we got to find another Martha for the mother of the Flash. I yeah. know her name is not Matt Martha, it's Nora, but still that would yep. be hilarious. <laughs> um maybe in the, one of the timelines we go maybe. through it can be Martha. Maybe. maybe. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> but but yeah, I I was kind of I was kind of coming out of this movie. I was like, I don't, I don't care. It didn't. The Flash movie is the only movie in the DC universe right now that I know is really happening, with or without Keaton. 
So I'm kind of like, it's going to happen regardless, and we're going to talk about it regardless, but I'm also kind of indifferent on it. I don't have high expectations. I probably have lower expectations now. Mm, mm. Um, and, but then again, it's at that, it's that unfair advantage. I'm, I'm taking however much screen time was in this movie, this 28 hour long movie <laughs> and comparing it against a TV show that has been on for 23 episodes, six years, seven years. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of, it's hard. And, yeah. and the flash TV show has also run itself into a dead, like dead end. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. We'll see how fast Barry can run this time. Yeah. Um, on that note, we really should be wrapping up. Will, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you? Yes, you can find me at Will M. Polk, W-I-L-L-M-P-O-L-K. You can find me on Twitter at S J Belmont, S J B E L M O N T. Please follow our crew on Twitter at Scene and Nerd Friends. Friend us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, but most importantly, rate, subscribe, and comment on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good night, geek out. You're welcome. Bye.